Hi. The jokes get better. Man, I'm looking around this room. I'm, I'm one of those guys that keeps their eye, the one eye open when they're praying and the other eye open when we're singing a slow song because I want to see who else is in this room. And man, as I'm looking around, I just see people who have invested into my life in a big way, who have been my teachers, people who I've had the privilege of being generous to and friends with and people who have expressed extreme generosity towards me and my family. Um, I see families here that we have co-labored in some pretty dark seasons of family life and marriage life and raising kids. And uh, I said this last time I got to be up here, I am just so excited to be a part of a church family that is excited to get together. I love that this is a full house, and I love um, being a part of worshiping with you guys, being around the throne of God at the feet of Jesus and sitting on God's lap. And um, I just want to say it's an honor for me to be here and... Thank you for allowing me, Pastor Tom. I, uh, I love... <clears throat> okay. Mental note, if I want claps, mention Pastor Tom's name. <laughs> okay. Awkward. Would you bow your heads and close your... No. Uh, <laughs> I love baptisms. I love watching baptisms. I remember when I got baptized. I got baptized in Devil's Lake which I didn't realize was strange until I told someone that had never heard of Devil's Lake, and they said, are you sure it took? And, uh, <clears throat> well, the jury's still out on that one, if you know what I'm saying. <clears throat> uh, and I love all the children that are, that are getting baptized. I love, uh, we are just finishing up a three-year season going through the entire Bible. And, Pastor Tom, I'm so glad that you're finally showing us how to do it in one year <laughs> because... Um, but it's been great. So I'm looking forward to doing this with our kids again. I love that kids know their Bible. They love their Bible. They realize that the Bible is truth and they're excited to come. Last Sunday, we had uh, a prayer circle with children and they would come in and pray and the, uh, we would pray for them. And some of these kids, they didn't know what to do. And they're like us. They're like, yeah, that's weird. Uh, don't touch me. Um, um, they're just shorter. And uh, as we prayed over these kids in that circle, just one at a time, by, you know, some of them are making fun of it. Some of them are awkwardly squirming around. But by the end of that, these kids are just waiting in line. Me next. Me next. Me next. You guys, kids just love the affirmation uh, of God that, that we give them. And I'm just so grateful for a family, a church family that's full of people who are investing in the lives of children and families and um, helping us on our journey to raise strong kids and healthy families. I believe, uh, I love this topic that Pastor Tom gave me, one of our pillars of who we are and what we believe and how we feel Jesus wants to represent himself in the Madison area. Come as you are. It's the invitation of your lifetime. It's the invitation of our lifetime. And I believe one of the most attractive things about Jesus is that even though he created the entire universe, that he takes us right where he's at. So I'm going to give you a little scoop of where we're going then I'm going to tell you, then I'm going to tell you what I told you, okay? See, because if you're like me, you know, it's like the Teletubbies. Again, again, they just need it over and over. If you don't know what those are, you're better off. Okay. But uh, children and children's pastors typically need a lot of repetition. Jesus invites us to come as we are. He invites us in our brokenness, in our weakness, in our baggage, in our shame, 
we don't have to get up to a certain level to perform for him to accept us. But Jesus also invites us to bring everything that we have. We don't have to sacrifice everything to follow Jesus. He wants to take the dreams that he's put in your heart, the goals that you have, the talents and gifts that he's given you, and he's inviting us and beckoning us and wooing us to bring those things to him as well, to bring everything that we have so that he can take those things and do greater things than we could ever ask or imagine with the resources that God's already put within us. But then here's a little twist on come as you are, lest you think that you don't need this message. Uh, I believe that God is inviting us to respond. God's giving us a great invitation, full of grace, mercy, and unconditional love to come as you are. And I want to challenge us to give him the same invitation back. To say, God, I will come to you with all that I am and all that I lack. Would you come as you are and do whatever you want to do in my life? Would you come and do whatever you want to do in this church? Well, and then finally, I want to share how we can live a come-as-you-are lifestyle. We, and I've said this many times before, I just love coming and talking about Jesus. I love how he gives us the privilege of representing him. God allows us to represent Jesus, his son, in the earth, through the church, in our lives, at our schools, at the places we work, at the places we shop, drink coffee, do whatever we do. He allows us to represent his son in a come-as-you-are lifestyle so that people can see the life of God and the invitation of Jesus by the way we live our lives and the things that we say and do. There you go. So, let's pray. I have a sense that several people in this room are already having their hearts stirred because you know that the the Holy Spirit is getting you ready to say yes to Jesus in a greater way than you ever have. I want to encourage you to not fear that. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I am a child of the one who made me, who knows me, and the one in whom I can put my trust. The enemy has come to steal and kill and destroy, but Jesus has come that we might have life, and life abundantly. The reason your heart is stirred is because you are on the brink of a more abundant life than you could ever ask for. You are on the brink, on the verge, of the adventure of your lifetime that will carry you to the other side of eternity. God, we trust you. I trust you. If you trust God or you want to trust him, would you just say, God, I trust you today. God, I want to trust you more. Have your way in me for the sake of your glory. Amen. Yes. Well, I've got 14 pages here, but because I'm not wearing my glasses, the font is like 28 points. So there's like six words on each page. So we're we're good.
And I did just number the pages during worship so that uh, in case I do drop them, it'll only take me five or ten minutes to put them back together. So come as you are, the invitation of your lifetime, bringing our brokenness to God. In Matthew 11, Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Jesus said, the one who comes to me, I will never send away. John 6, 37. In Isaiah 1:18, through Isaiah, the Lord said, now let's settle this, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them white as snow. The invitation to come as you are is all through scripture. In the book of Revelation, we read, The spirit and the bride say, come. Let anyone who hears this say, come. Let anyone who is thirsty, come. Let anyone who desires drink freely from the water of life. And Joel, the prophet Joel, chapter 2, 32, proclaims, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. I will give you rest. Come to me, you who have nothing to give, and I will allow your soul to be delighted in the richest of fare. God is saying, come. He loves us enough to take us as we are. And you know what? The good news is, is that your sin does not surprise him. Oh my, I didn't know he did that. Is he, is she going 10 over the speed limit already? Again? I thought we handled that. Oh my goodness. No. God made you. He loves you and he wants you. I have some props. I know the children are with us, and I know that their fathers tend to fall asleep, so I brought some props. <laughs> These boxes have been such an amazing thing in our life. We have probably purchased hundreds of these bankers' boxes over the years, and so they're duct taped. And I mean, we've got pajamas from when our kids were four years old, and they just keeps getting crossed out. Black pants at one point in time. This held uh, picture frames. Uh, we can't throw them out because the more beat up they are, the more it tells the story of our memories. I found something a few years ago when I was digging through my piles that my wife has been asking me to dig through for decades. I found my teddy bear from when I was three years old. And uh, I know it, maybe it looks like a teddy bear from the distance, but it, it doesn't look like much right now. It's, there is hardly any, no fur, no fur on this guy. His name was Ted. I wasn't as creative back then as I am now. <laughs> and uh, I remember going to my grandma's house and my cousin's girls, of course, they would find Ted and they loved him and they, would have, they had this fetish with picking off his little fur and putting it in their mouth. Well, when I was young, that was before dental floss was invented. So maybe something there was, maybe they were trying to do a little bit there. But anyway, I would just, I would hide him from them. Like, what are you doing? And Ted would come with me everywhere I went. Ted was small enough where I could take him on sleepovers without my friends knowing that he was there. I could put him in the pillowcase. And then when all the lights went out, Ted would come out and we'd hang out for the night. 
until I got to put them back in the sleeping bag before my friends would wake up. You know what? When I saw it, it just brought back all of those memories. And I look at this, and my kid, some of my kids were like, well, do you, don't you just wish it? Why don't you just get a brand new one? I said, no, no. This has stories. This has memories. This has smells. You know those gross smells of the blankets that you can never wash? Yes. No. <laughs> you know what? I want those boxes to never grow old. I want to patch them up. And I want to see every piece of history that's been put into those boxes over the years. And eventually I might have grandkids stuff crossed off and written on those boxes. I want to see that teddy bear never go away. I don't want to fix that teddy bear. I want to care for that teddy bear just the way it is. You know, and here I am, just a big kid, reminiscing about my teddy bear from when I was a child. And I don't want anything to change. Jesus says, come as you are. Weary, burdened, beat up. Who knows? Maybe some girl in gym class picked some of your hair off and put it in her mouth. I don't know. Whatever, whatever has happened to you, your sin does not surprise him. Jesus Christ gave everything just to be with you. Everything. He gave up his place in heaven to come to this earth to become man. To die, uh, to, to be born, wow, God is going to be born, and then to die. To live his life in front of men, women, and children who would ultimately reject him and kill him. He gave everything to be with you, so, so bring it. Bring your dreams, your baggage, your sin, your regret, everything that you have, your weakness, your emptiness, your doubts, your insecurities. Bring it all to Jesus. He's not surprised by your sin. And Jesus loves you no matter what. Come as you are. Come is an action word for us. As you are is kind of all we have to give. Because uh, there are no secrets with God. He already knows what we're bringing. So, we might not have a whole lot to give. But he still says, come. Come as you are. Our Heavenly Father is waiting, just like the prodigal son's father, who was standing on the hill, waiting patiently and consistently for his son to return from his wasteful way of life. Do you know the prodigal means wasteful? He was living a wasteful life, and his dad knew it. He knew that there was a better way. And when his son came back, he saw him from a long distance off, and he received him back, broken, full of shame, and he welcomed him back into his family, back into his home, and he celebrated the return of his prodigal son. Jesus loves you no matter what. When I was a freshman I, in high school, I went to, uh, I was into drawing and drafting and architectural, and so I had to take some basic classes because I really wanted to go into like some type of architectural design, and so I, I, I went into this, this drafting class, and I loved it. I had my own desk, my own stuff, my own space, my own equipment, and I could, I, it was like a class where I could draw and design things, and it was great, and I got to know my teacher who was about eight feet tall, just this big, happy fella with big hands, and he called everybody by their last name. Back tall. I think he just got lazy and just back tall. And he always had, you know, this cheesy 70s rock playing. And, and, but I just loved being there. There was just something safe about that place, something safe about him, something that inspired me to do great things at the drafting table. In between freshman and sophomore year, I started getting, hanging around 
people that were not great influences in me. And my heart took a 180 turn. I started hating authority. I started disrespecting my parents in ugly ways and even the police. And just, I just, you know, here I am, a angsty 15-year-old boy, and I was just mad. I was just ready to pick a fight. I didn't care about anyone. And it was just, it was just all about being cool, hanging with these people and just doing whatever I wanted and making everyone else look stupid, feel stupid so that I could somehow feel better about myself. So sophomore year starts and I back to school. I enroll in the second level of architectural drawing and I go in there and, and I'm just a punk. And, uh, and I just didn't care. I would, I would kick the drawer shut. I would throw equipment around, and I would just do everything. I didn't want Mr. Nocella to see me, but the girl next to me, one time she had pulled her stuff out, and her drawer fell on the ground and crashed the drawer and everything, and it fell out. And I just kind of laughed. Like, Mr. Nocella comes up, and he looks at her stuff, and he looks at me, just waiting for the Dave Bechtol to do his thing. I wasn't looking at him. I didn't care about her. He kneels down and starts picking up her stuff. And this whole time, I'm just got this fussy, nasty, rebellious air about me. She's in tears because her stuff's broken, but because I'm being such a that thing. You guys are naughty. I was going to say jerk. And he's standing behind me, and I could tell. I could feel his breathing down my neck. And I'm just like, bring it on. Oh, I can feel it. I was I'm just like, come on, touch me. Come on, get in my face. Try me. And this hand comes right on my shoulder. And it was the biggest softest hand and he comes around to my other side and he says, Bechtel is everything okay? You guys I melted every hard shell that I was putting up to be all that was just melted because this guy had seen it before he cared about me no matter what. And he'd see kids coming through in and out. And he knew that there was something greater in me than what I was displaying. And he called it out of me, not by rebuking me, but by loving me, by touching me. And I just found out this year that he's alive and still teaching. And I am on a mission to find him and to thank him. When we come as we are, it also involves bringing God everything we have. Jesus takes us as we are, but we do not have to stay that way. God longs to set us free in order to give us a new life. So I'm going to share some things that don't, you wonder if they're a typo. Discovering the joy of complete surrender. Ooh, that's going to be a bestseller. <laughs> Discovering the joy of complete surrender. Now, sometimes we just don't want to experience a new way of life. Some of us have too many things that we enjoy doing 
habits, hobbies, relationships, just things that we don't want to even consider parting with. So I don't want to give everything to God because he just might put his finger on some of those things and I don't know if I'm ready. <laughs> I've been there. And sometimes I and some of you perhaps, you can say yes to God and what he wants to give, but no when it comes time for him to ask me to give something back. Hmm. C.S. Lewis was a man of God who understood this dilemma when he wrote this. Christ says, give me all. I don't want so much of your time and so much of your money and so much of your work. I want you. I love this part and I hate it. I have not come to torment your flesh, but to kill it. No half measures are any good. I don't want to cut off a branch here and a branch there. I want to have the whole tree down. Hand over the whole natural self, the whole outfit. I will give you a new self instead. In fact, I will give you myself. My own self, my own will shall become yours. Discovering the joy of complete surrender. Yeah. There's a community of monks, and they ended up hosting retreats for people that wanted to experience a little bit of a Sabbath or a little bit of retreat. But these were monks who lived there in community, and they lived in this place, and they lived a way of life that most people don't even have a grid for, even if they read about it. And when the guests would come, uh, the monks would show them to their room and, and tell them how things worked and introduce them to the grounds. And then they would, their final words to their guests before they let their guests begin their retreat, they said, oh, just let us know if you need anything and we will show you how to live without it. <laughs> hey, just let us know if you need anything. I've taken that on with my kids. They don't like it. <laughs> hey, just let me know if you need anything and I'll show you how to live without it. Oh, my goodness. You know what? The things that we think we need are not the things that God thinks we need. God is looking for you and me. All right. I got something for Christmas that I am very, very excited about. It's a cat. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, baby. It is a double XLT robe. And this bad boy is cushy and long. It's one of those things. I got long arms, so I got to have things that go through the wash and don't do this funky thing, you know? So uh, this thing is so big and so comfy, and it just fills every whatever. If I'm wearing pajamas or whatever I've got, I mean, sometimes I'll just wrap it around like a blanket that I can wear. I mean, it's just, it's great. And this is just my favorite Christmas gift because I'm always wearing it. But I do wash this, unlike, you know, the, the, the teddy bear. I, I, this, this has been washed. And, uh, and when my kids come up in the morning, because I'm usually the first one up, but when my kids or my wife come up, uh, one of my favorite things to do is before we even say anything, because they're not ready to talk yet. And they're certainly not ready to talk to me after I've been up for a couple hours. Hey, want to play ball spike? Want to play ball spike? <laughs> is they'll come into the kitchen, and I'll just stand there, you know, by the coffee machine. And I'll do this. 
And on a good day, one of my kids will just not say anything, but they'll come right in and they'll put their arms right up my arms and I just wrap myself around them. Now the good days are getting less and less as they're all <laughs> teenagers and beyond. So I mean, I'm willing to do this with your children, you know. <laughs> but it actually just happened the other day. Now my, I think my wife's just partially excited because I make strong coffee. So she's like, don't talk, give me coffee. But then without any speaking, if I'm wearing this robe, I'll open it up. And my wife, Sarah, will just come right in. And we'll just stand there for 10, 15 seconds and just not say anything. You know, it's, um, it's just very precious that this gift that she gave to me can now provide a silent blessing and a covering back for her. See, when Jesus invites us to come as we are, he wants to clothe us with compassion. He wants to clothe us with a new life. But it's not so that we can have a better life for ourselves. It's so that we can better represent him in the earth and better share the life that he's given us. Freely we have received. He's inviting us in the same way to freely give to others. In Romans 2.4, it says, Paul says, Do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? If you're still holding on to things like, I don't know if I want the new life, say yes to the Holy Spirit's invitation. He is drawing you to something greater and deeper and more rewarding than you could have ever asked or imagined. Being responsible with God, with God, with what God has given you. God loves me enough to take me as I am, but he also loves me enough to change me. I'm not going to wear this robe all morning, but it is kind of cozy, so. <laughs> Don't merely come to him in your lowly, sinful, broken state. Bring your talents and your gifts. Bring your dreams and aspirations. Bring all that you have to the king's table. And let him delight in the resources that he's actually put in you. Your time, your talents, your gifts, your personalities, your extreme extroversion, your extreme introversion, the goofy hobbies that you have. God delights in those things and he wants to take those, use them, redesign them, and multiply them to others. Allow God the opportunity to astound you by letting him multiply those resources that he's created within you. And he longs to do that. The Apostle Paul taught in 2 Corinthians 5.17, If any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So, well, wait, whoa, whoa, well, that's not come as you are. Well, yes, it is. But you've just entered into the 101 class. And then God is going to take you sometimes the fast track, sometimes the long track. But he's going to bring you into new things. All things are become new. Paul said about himself in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. And it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So Paul's not just telling us what to do and what we should think. He's actually doing it himself because God radically turned his life around. To the church at Philippi, in Philippians 1.6, Paul proclaimed, Be confident of this very thing, that he who begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. 
So God wants to clothe you with new life. He wants to take everything that you have. He wants to give you a gift like my wife gave me this robe. But it's just not so that you can be cozy and comfy. Although, when you're sheltered and nestled under the wings of the one who created everything and who knows you most, there's a lot of comfort in that. But he's given us the opportunity to share that with others in ways that words cannot even express. You can clap while I take this off. <laughs> I feel like I'm doing a magic trick at the Dells here. Oh, hey, little fella, where'd you come from? <laughs> Back when I was a kid, we would have thought you were crazy to sell water in bottles. I'll be making the funny comments from here on out, okay? You are good enough for God. I told some of you this before, but I went for counseling when I was in a low place, in a low season, an extended season of... Anxiety and depression and sadness and isolation and um, and I realized as I was at the cross council office that I had stuff inside of me that I couldn't even identify. And after a few sessions, I was getting to the point where I could verbalize some of the things that were going on inside of me. I'm an extrovert. I love people. I love being around people. But I don't consider myself to be very smart. I don't consider myself to know a whole lot about things that everybody seems to know about. I like watching sports, but I can't even tell you the players on the football team. I, I'm current events. They're important, but they just don't stick to me, and I get them all confused and um when people are talking about, yeah, we're remodeling our kitchen and bathroom, and I'm just like, I don't even know what to do. I, I just learned how to flush the toilet two years ago, you know? And <laughs> so I'm, here I am. I would, so I hang around in large groups of people so that no one has to ask me direct questions. Boy, am I being, I am, this is out here. Okay. And, uh, and I started realizing that... Um, when I get around people or when I get around smart people or people that I think are smart or people who know a lot about politics or even theology that can just articulate the deep resources of scripture that I just takes me a while to get my head around it because I just I'm a creative thinker and um, and I would just feel stupid and I would actually get to the point where I was realizing in this session where I'm I feel stupid I'm not smart enough. I'm not smart enough for people. I'm not smart enough to be around these people. If people really knew how, I mean, this is in my low moments, how dumb I am and how ignorant I am about basic things, then they would just write me off or laugh or just get me out of their life. That's where my thought process went. And I know there's someone here who can totally relate and then some. 
And it got to the point where the enemy was heaping such lies upon me that I was thinking not only was I not good enough for people, but I felt like I was not good enough for God. And when those words came out of my mouth, I could hardly say them because it was resonating with a deep lie that I had become to believe about myself, but more importantly about the character of God. I am not good enough for God. So I would disguise my insecurities by being loud or getting a bigger microphone or being with big groups of people or telling new jokes and people would, and I would just avoid one-on-one conversations because I felt stupid and unloved and unworthy. One of the beautiful things about coming as you are is that God invites us to turn that back on him. When I gave everything to God, I accepted his invitation, and I came as I was. Just to finish up that little story, I know that I am good enough for God. But it's not by works of righteousness that I have done, but it's according to his grace and his mercy and his power and his love and his forgiveness. God loves me in my weakness. And I will boast about my weaknesses because, like Paul said, because in that place I am strong. His grace is sufficient for me. And I don't live a good life to please him. I live a good life to thank him for what he's done in me and for me and what I want him to do through me. So, will you uh, ask... So God's saying, come as you are. Here's where he started pushing the envelope with me. For you young people, I don't even know what that means, uh, pushing the envelope. Uh, This is where he started asking more of me. He said, will you say, will you invite me to come as I am? Whoa. Okay, Dave, you're getting all the goods here. Could I have the pleasure of coming as I am to you? Jesus gave freely everything he had so that we could come to him. And are we willing to make that same offer in return? To give everything of ours back to him. See, the whole idea of come as you are demands a response. Will we accept or reject that invitation? Can you say, God, come as you are? See, because that impacts you outside of this room. Come as you are lets God take complete residence of your life, of your heart, of your thoughts, of your habits, of your system. Conversion is come as you are. Come as you are. I will save you. I will forgive you. Discipleship is, now let's do this thing. Let's get to work. Let's make a difference. Let's build the kingdom. Conversion is come as you are. Discipleship is let's get to work. God is calling us to get to work. And it's starting with ourselves. The blessing of sacrifice. Bechtal, where do you come up with this stuff? The beauty of surrender, the blessing of sacrifice. Paul exhorts us, Christians, in Romans 12. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He's saying that if you want to worship God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. 
And when God uses the word sacrifice, he's not mincing words. Sacrifice is all about death. So it's calling some of us to wake up. I was sleeping and slumbering in my soul for a long time until God revealed himself to me and the plans and the purposes that he had for me. And boy, this just came to me. There was a, at the church that I was doing my internship at for uh, Christian Life College, one of the pastors, I, I was just hiding myself. I was, I had two little kids. I was a full-time bus driver and a full-time custodian at our church. And um, with a Christian Life College degree to be a pastor. And he said, Dave, I know you love your wife. I know you love your kids. And I know you really love your jobs. But you will never know the amazing experience that God has for you if you say yes to the calling that he has on your life. So here we are washing hands in the men's room, and he drops that bomb on me, you know. And... Well, if you're going to have a bomb drop in the men's room, it's probably better to be that one. But uh... I'm sorry. I thought this was kids' church. Um... And he said... And he just left. I want to thank the introverted community. <laughs> the in, there is no such thing as an introverted community. I'm sorry. Um, I want to thank. <laughs> I want to. <laughs> I can count on my hands five to ten times that <laughs> that was funny. Uh, that um, that people have spoken something to me. That has been the word of the Lord that has changed my life in that moment and often changed the trajectory of how I think and how I pursue God and people. Every single one of those people, every single one of those times has been done by an introvert. And I just want to say, just because you don't have a whole lot of words to say, please, if God is leading you to say something, even if it's a nutty extrovert that just has to, you guys get your steps in, I get my words in, you know, um, please. Speak the word of the Lord if God's giving you something to say to someone. He's clothed you with something to give away. I just want to say, it's people like that man that was just there. It's like, you have no idea the experience that awaits you once you say yes to what God's asking you to do. Okay. Know what this is? It's a uh, smoke detector, smoke alarm. Oh, my goodness. Thursday night this week, I'm thinking I'm dreaming, but I hear a chirp. Ah. Sure. You know, and it's, and you know, so you try to go back to sleep, and you know, it's just like, it's not half. Sure. <laughs> oh, by now I'm awake. So I'm going upstairs, and we've got these things all through our house. Uh, yeah, that, uh, that infomercial made millions on me that day. Uh, and so I'm up there, and I don't want to wake up. So, I mean, I'm up there I, in my robe, and it's dark. I don't even want to open my eyes. Chirp! And it's every 60 seconds this thing's chirping. And Okay, I think it's, I think it's down this hall. <laughs> then I'm waiting. Chirp! Okay. And then I listen again, and I'm, and I'm getting frustrated. I'm like, no, 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 I don't want to get frustrated, because that will get my heart going and my blood pumping, and then I'll have to wake up. So I'm going to... And I'm like, it sounds like it's coming from over here. And I'm, I'm just getting mad and fed up and frustrated. And, and, 
And so I get a chair out of the kitchen and I hold it up to the hallway one because I think it's at, all of a sudden, choop, and it's not down here. And then this thing is playing tricks on me. So I finally go and it's our, our daughter is away at college and so it, it's, it's coming from her room. But I mean, it took me 10 60 second chirp intervals <clears throat> to locate this thing. So I'm there and by this time I'm awake. Because I had to pay attention. I'm like, okay, i got to wake up and see if I can knock this down and see if I can lessen the amount of chirps that I have to pay attention to. Um, So it was consistent, relentless, wouldn't go away. I tried to locate the source without waking up, and I finally had to pay attention, wake up, and listen. So I think some of you are hearing the chirp of the Holy Spirit, and you don't know where it's coming from. You're not even sure what the source is. I'm telling you, It's probably the Holy Spirit drawing you to wake up. Drawing you to give something that you haven't given before to the Lord. Drawing you to let God consume you in ways that he hasn't been able to before. But he leaves it up to us. And we can wander through this life. And we do. Try not to wake up and just chirp. I'm just going to go back to sleep. Chirp. But if he won't let up, it's not because he's mad. It's because he's in love and he wants you and he wants you to come as you are. He wants you to bring everything that he put inside of you to him, to the king's table, to to the foot of the cross so that he can take that, multiply it, show you that adventure, show you that experience on the other side of saying yes to him. And as I took this thing off, by this time I'm fully awake. The lights are on in the kitchen. It's 2.30 in the morning, and I'm just, I'm done being upset. I'm just, okay. I had to find the battery thing, you know. So get the battery out, and I said, okay, 9-volt battery, but you got to use a certain battery because it's got to be a certain type of power that will withstand heat. So i got to go and get new battery, new power. You know what? When the Holy Spirit's beckoning us with the love of God, the faithfulness of Jesus, and inviting us to that new life, that new way of following him, not just being a convert to Christianity, but being a disciple and a follower of Jesus. He wants to take the power that we've been living on and replace it with new power that can withstand the heat because he knows what's coming more than you or I do. So pay attention to the Holy Spirit and listen up. Read the word. Pray. Get around somebody that'll get in your face about Jesus and let them tell you and pray for you. Tell them what you need to hear and then follow God's leading. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6, Do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? And that is what some of you were. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. So he says, I'm talking to you who have said yes to the new way of life. And I'm reminding you of what you were. Stop going back to those places. God wanted me to take me, but he loved me enough to change me. And for that, I am thankful. Okay, the beauty of submission. Oh my. Paul said in Romans 6, Paul had a way of getting passionate. Are we to remain in sin so that grace may increase? Absolutely not. How can we who died to sin still live in it? 
Jesus himself said in Luke 14, 27, whoever does not carry his own cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. I can't think of anything that Jesus asks us to do that he has not been willing to do himself. Now that's a man, that's a God that I want to follow. Sacrificing our will and submitting our lives to Jesus allows him to give us the true desires of our hearts not to get rid of everything that we deem as good and fulfilling. Psalm 34 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the what? The desires of your heart. And we get confused and say, Delight yourselves in the Lord, and he will embarrass you everywhere you go, and he will make you give up everything that makes you happy. No. He will give you the desires of your heart. And he will take your old self and replace it with a new self, with himself. We don't need to be that good at our job. You've heard this before. Because God is really great at his job. Come as you are. Bring what you have. Just like the boy with the fish and the bread. Jesus had just got done hearing that his friend John the Baptist was killed horribly. And he's going to find a place with his disciples just to get away from people. And he comes on the other side of this hill. And oh my goodness, there are thousands of people there wanting to see Jesus, wanting to hear what he has to say. And doggone it, they're hungry. 5,000 hungry men is not a place that I want to be when I'm looking for some quiet time. (laughs) Jesus' heart was heavy and greed because of the news about John the Baptist. But as he walked, he, he saw a need that could only be met by divine compassion and divine power partnered with a little boy's willingness to simply show up and participate. The boy's mom probably gave him some lunch. Jesus couldn't resist the opportunity to serve people, although his disciples had a different agenda. They said, there is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are these for so many people? And in the parentheses, Jesus, come on, let's get out of here. Let's find that place, because we're tired too, and hungry. The boy simply gave what he had to the master, and over 5,000 people were fed with much to spare. The boy made an appearance, and Jesus made history. We do not need to be perfect. Sometimes we just need to be present. So I just want to encourage us that, to make sure that when we do show up, that we're showing up willing to give God everything. Well, it's time. I want to invite you to stand. And Nathan, I want to invite you to come up if you would. God loved the world so much that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish and be eternally separated from God, but would have eternal life with God. God knows that we're desperate for him, whether we realize it or not. And he knew that without him, we would all perish apart from him in eternal darkness. So he sent his son Jesus to come and make a way for us to be saved from that penalty Because Jesus took the price of that punishment that we deserved when he died on the cross. 
Jesus became that sacrifice. Jesus gave his life. Jesus, Jesus suffered suffering and death so that we could have life and forgiveness. His question is, come as you are, or his invitation is, come as you are. I want to know. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for a, two groups of people today. One, if you, if you need Jesus, if you are broken, hurting, shameful, if you are successful and excited, but you're selfish, whatever you bring, I want to invite you to come to Jesus for the first time. I want you to give what you can to Jesus today so that he can take it, change it, renew it, and multiply it on an adventure that you could have never asked or imagined. So if you would like to say yes to Jesus this morning, God, I love you. I want you to forgive me. I want you to save me. Would you raise your hand? I just want to say a prayer for you. I'm not going to ask you to come up or anything. There are a lot of hands. Jesus, forgive me. Save me and help me. If you have if you resonated with the idea that there's that chirping, that you know that God is wanting to go deeper in you, that God is wanting more with you, from you, and you've been asleep and avoiding the drawing of the Holy Spirit, would you raise your hand? I want to pray a prayer for you today, for those of us that need to say yes to what the Holy Spirit's asking us to do. God, you see these hands, and I pray that you would give us strength to go the next step, that you would anoint us to give what we have to you and to see it multiplied and reproduced. I pray that you would give wisdom to everyone who's feeling the calling of the Holy Spirit to a greater level. I pray that you would give them wisdom, and I pray that you would give them courage to act on that wisdom and that you would meet them in that place as they step forward. We're going to end with a song. It's about time to get your kids. So if you need to go get your kids, that's cool. Your little kids. But if you can hang here for four or five minutes... We're going to sing this this morning in response to Christ's invitation to come as you are.